We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Power. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That word saved in the Greek means restored, made whole, healed. A lot of times we look at that and we think of our spiritual salvation. But when you look that word up, you find it means something different. It means that right now, today, the power of the name of Jesus can make you whole, can heal you, can change you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you this morning. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that in the book of Acts, there were those that brought aprons, handkerchiefs, cloths to the people of God, and they would anoint them and pray over them, and they would take these cloths and these aprons, and they would go to people and lay them on them, and it would heal the people. Now, listen, understand, it was cloth was cloth was cloth, but it's the obedience and faith and belief that God would prevail and do what He did that caused people to be healed. It was faith in them. Jesus often said this, according to thy faith. According to, it was all up to that person's faith. Often we pray, and a lot of, you know, we, a lot of times we pray for things and we're outside of really what Jesus said to do. When Jesus said, it's the simple. If you want to be healed, it's according to your faith. If you want to be delivered, it's according to your faith. Whatever you want. But the power of the name of Jesus is the institutor of everything. Hallelujah. This, today at the altar time, I'm just going to encourage you to come to the altar because we're going to anoint a cloth today for Dorothy, and, and we're going to watch God do things in the lives of people. Amen. God bless you. It's good to see you. It's good to have you. Let's give our visitors a tabernacle of praise. Welcome. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Very familiar story. I want to talk to you today about when worlds collide. When worlds collide. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. We'll read 11 through 17. And it came to pass that day after that he went up into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. In other words, Jesus had a crowd. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of that city was with her. So she had a crowd. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he and he that was dead sat up and began to speak. Jesus just told him to rise up. But you know what? When Jesus brings you up out of it, you got to talk about it. you got to talk about it. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all of Judea, 
and throughout all the region roundabout. Many of us have seen the commercial where there's the test dummies sitting in the car. They're strapped in, and, and they, they send them down, propel them down this runway, and they collide to this barrier. The airbags explode, and metal's flying everywhere, and the crash dummies kind of repel back and forth uh, from the crash. Researchers are really what they're doing, as we know, is they're trying to learn what happens in a certain type of collision so that automobiles can be made safer to drive when we drive them. Two worlds collide, one in motion, one in a dead stop. There's some collisions in life that you just can't avoid. You're going to have them. So it's best to be prepared so that when those life collisions happen, you can not only learn to just survive. See, many people in the collisions of life want to just survive. But listen, God wants us to live. God wants us to live. He wants to bring us from the dead. There's a collision that happens when we meet Jesus. God wants us to live. In our reading today, we see uh, uh, two worlds that really collide, and that's really what I want to talk to you about just for a few minutes. The first collision actually happens in verses 11 through 12. It came to pass the day after that when he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, again a crowd. And as he was going in, there was a crowd coming out. So you've got these two different worlds colliding. So Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and he has a large crowd. As he approaches the gate of the town, this dead person is being carried out. It's a young man. He was the only son of a woman who is a widow. A large crowd was with her as she exited the town. So there's a collision, again, of two worlds. One world of joy, one, one world of sorrow. Jesus is the center of the attention in one world, and a grieving widow is the center of attention in another. The crowd with Jesus had walked from Capernaum with Jesus. Capernaum was a 20-mile walk to Nain. They had been with Jesus walking 20 miles, and just you know, that's why there was a joy and excitement. You walk for Jesus very long, you're going to get happy. You're going to be joyful. You're going to be glad. You're going to see and experience great things. And that's what happened. This crowd, man, they couldn't get, wait to get to Nain because they had been experiencing what Jesus had done, and they couldn't wait to get to that city because they knew what was going to happen in Nain. They were a very strong crowd. They were a crowd of faith. With every step they took, another step of faith. You see, before they got to Nain, and had they, when they left Capernaum, they had seen devils cast out of people by Jesus. They had seen the sick made whole by Jesus. They had heard that Peter's mother-in-law was, was healed by Jesus, witnessing a leper that was cleansed by Jesus. They heard of the centurion servant being healed because of Jesus. And they knew about Jesus welcoming outcasts and tax collectors. And all the things, most of the people with Jesus were outcasts and tax collectors, people nobody wanted to deal with. And they were happy because they found somebody that loved them that cared for them, that wanted them to be a part of His world. They were mesmerized by Jesus' teachings and His sermons. There was just this great joy. You can imagine this crowd as they're coming up, this loud noises. They're all talking, and they were, man, did you see what Jesus, did you hear what He said? And did you say that again, Jesus? Man, this, this crowd moving in. Nain was a city set on the hillside. Uh, it's the northwest hillside of Mora uh, Mountain overlooking a plain uh, with Mount Tabor to the north side of it and then Mount Gilboa behind it. So this collision happens as Jesus and the crowd are approaching the gate. They actually never walk into the gate of the city. They're approaching the gate, and this widow and the funeral procession is exiting the gate. So we have this collision. There's a sad crowd carrying out a body of a man, a young man, as they make their way to the grave. There's sorrow, there's sadness, tragedy, all a part of the world that they were living in, a world of sadness 
that had, had a hard time seeing any joy. Then the world of joy, the world of Jesus, comes and collides with the world of sadness. But there's another collision that happens here where compassion collides with despair. Read verse 13 with me. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. So what happens? Man, we have compassion colliding with despair. As a widow and now burying her only son, she had no social security or benefits to help her. Her husband was dead. Her son was dead. And in their custom and in their, the way they lived is that the husband took care of the wife. If he passed, then, the, then the, the, the son, the oldest son, she had nobody. So not only did she lose her husband, she was a widow. Not only had she now lost her son, she had lost everything. Nobody to take care of her. No, nobody. You know what one job the women had during that time? Yeah, they didn't sell in the marketplace. Well, they did. You know what the one job they had? They sold themselves if they had to work. They sold themselves. It's the only way they could make money. The rest of it was according to their menfolk. So you imagine this lady, as she's coming out, she's lost all hope. What am I going to do? Nobody can support me. I don't have, you know, all these years, I don't have any, I didn't go to college. I didn't go to trade school. I didn't graduate high school. None of these things. And here she is now. She has nothing. So you can imagine all of the oppression that's going on. All that she depended on was gone. What was she going to do? But her world of despair collided with Jesus' world of compassion. His heart went out to her. His heart overflowed with sympathy. Listen, when we talk about our heart's feeling, you ever felt just really heartfelt for somebody and it kind of made you feel funny inside? You just felt bad for them or you felt compassion for them? When the Jews, they didn't use the heart as they described this feeling as in their bowels. In other words, when Jesus saw her inside of him, everything just began to turn over. You ever had that reaction before? What we call a gut reaction. Everything just starts to turn over inside of you. It's so heart-wrenching. It's not just your heart beating fast. It seemed like everything inside of you wants to just come out. That's what it's talking about here. When Jesus saw her, everything inside of him was just turning over because he knew what was going on here in her life. And so as her despair collides with his compassion, his love moves in. You ever felt that way? You ever felt despair? You ever felt to a place that, you know, I can remember just a few years ago, just a few years ago, having this despair feeling where I thought the only way out of this is out of this. The only way to get out of this is to leave this world. I, yeah, does that surprise you about your pastor? Because listen, when despair comes into your life, there are all kinds of emotions and thinking and all. Man, I'd never think that. You get into the place of despair that I was, and you might. You get into the place of despair that she was, you might. Maybe I'm a little too transparent sometimes, but, you know, listen, we have to understand some things. We all, at some point in time in our life, come to a place of despair, and we need a way out. The problem is if we let emotion take over, if we let something talk into our ear, we look for the wrong way. Jesus knew this about this lady, so he stepped in with his love. Before she ever came to that point of what am I going to do next? Oh, this is all I got left. He stepped, he stepped in with Jesus never stops loving. 
understand this. When you come to despair in your life, understand this. He never stops loving you. He never stops caring about you. You may stop caring about yourself. You may look at your life and say, you know what, my life's worthless. Jesus never thinks that. He always loves you. He deeply cares. He doesn't just care about your situation. Inside of him, I'm not talking about this story. I'm talking about your story right now. Inside of Jesus right now, when you have despair and all that, it's a, tur- it's a turning. There's a love and there's a compassion that still goes through our Savior for you about your situation. Listen, the gospel story is not an academic story or account of Jesus' life. In religion today, in the Christianity, a lot, of, a lot of people look at it as an academic account of Jesus' life. It's not an intellectual belief in, in facts about God. A relationship with God is not an intellectual understanding and belief about the facts about what you're reading. That, that's a lot of Christendom today, though. They read the facts. They understand it intellectually. They say, well, now I'm connected to God. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. The story shows us that when our hearts are broken, His heart is broken. Understand this. The gospel is about Him and who He is, not about the facts about what He did. Oftentimes we worship God because of what He did. Oftentimes we come to a place of worship, and because He did this and did this and raised this one and healed this one, we worship Him. But that's not the case. That's intellectualism. That's intellectualism. We have to learn it's because of who He is. That's why we worship Him. Who He is. That's why we worship Him. That's why we lift Him up. Jesus came not just to tell about God's love. He came to express it. He came to perform it. God's love didn't start in the New Testament. God's love has always been there. But the expression of God's love never came through a human like it did through Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ was all human. Make no mistake about it. Read your Bible. He was total human. The emotions you have, he had. Oh, yeah. He, he wept. We, short of Scripture in, script, in Scripture, Jesus wept. And that's one of the most powerful, powerful he wept. Why does that mean? That means his heart was broken. Do you think Jesus has changed between then and now? Even the more because of Calvary. Even the more Jesus weeps. He enters our world of despair, pain, and sorrow, and He feels our pain. He feels our despair. He feels our sorrow today. Today. Remember that in Jesus, we have a fully human Savior. The Scripture shows us that as human, He experienced what we experience. In John chapter 11, verse 35, He wept over the grave of Lazarus. Our God with tears in His eyes. You know, we, all, we, want, we want a picture of a, a lofty sitting on a... But understand, our Savior, our God had tears in His eyes. Jesus told the woman, don't cry. That seems a little bit... You know, if I'm at someone's funeral and they're crying, I'm not going, hey, man, don't cry. You know, if, if the mom loses a son and I go to that funeral, I, that's the last thing I'm going to tell them. You know, they deserve to, to mourn. They deserve to... But Jesus, in this weird thing, walks up and says, woman, don't cry. But you know what? He knew something she didn't. He knew that now that our worlds have collided, there's something about your world that's about to change. Something in your world, not my world, Jesus' world wasn't about to change. The woman's world was about, and he knew that. He knew what was about to happen. Yet there's another collision of worlds in this story. It's the collision of death with life. 
verses 14 through 15. And he came and touched the bier, and there they bare him stood up, stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Makes no sense because that dude's dead. He can't hear a thing. He can't hear a voice. That makes no sense. Look. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. The collision of death and life. Listen, at all the funerals that I've been in and, and conducted and, and been around, I've never had this urge to go up to the coffin, put my hand on it, and say, Sir, ma'am, get up and rise up. and get up. I've, that, that never has come to me to do that. It might one day. One day it might happen, but it hadn't occurred yet. I don't know. Bishop, have you, has, you ever felt that desire to do that? <laughs> me? <laughs> but Jesus walks up and everybody stands still. And they all stood still. Now understand, you got one crowd and another crowd and a weeping woman, a sorrowful woman, and a joyful group and a joyful Jesus. And he comes up and now the joy has turned to compassion. And he says, don't, don't cry. Don't cry. It's a shock that Jesus even laid his hands on them. Why is that? When you look in Numbers chapter 19, if you were a, of the priesthood, if you touched a dead person or the artifacts of a dead person, the, the, beer, the, the, the wrapping they were in, you were considered unclean for seven days. Unclean for seven days. So Jesus walks up and immediately under their, their law, immediately under their view, Jesus has now become unclean. But Jesus wasn't worried about what things looked like. His compassion was ruled over the concern of people's thoughts. So that's the beauty about Jesus. His compassion in your life, He's not worried about what any people, and we shouldn't. Yeah, you, ever get, you ever get worried about what people think because you show a little compassion? You know, people, people, yeah. you know this thing with a man, when you show compassion, you're, you're wondering if people are going to take that as I'm weak. It's one of the strongest things you can ever do for a person's life, show them compassion. And if you have compassion in your life, it's one of the strongest things God's given you, compassion. Because compassion for us doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. Sorrow does. Fear does. Weeping does. But compassion doesn't come naturally. It's a thing out of the heart that's different than other emotions. He simply speaks to the dead under his own power and authority, and this young guy sits up and starts talking. You wonder what he said? Man, I wish the Scripture was a little more... Look, Mom, no hands. Man, can you imagine? Hey, Jesus, I was waiting for you to get here. Who knows what he might have said? He might have just got up and said, Well, once I was dead, but now I'm alive again. Who, who knows? Because, listen... When, when my mom and dad passed away, I stood at both of their coffins, and I actually talked to them. I mean, that's kind of common. We all do that, don't we? When it's someone, a parent or a sibling, or we actually, even though, that, listen, my mom and dad, neither one could hear me. They weren't there. Their body was in that coffin, but they, they were gone. I was speaking in the physical, and they couldn't hear me. But listen, when Jesus speaks, it looks like he's speaking in the physical, but he's reaching way into the spiritual. If they're taking this young man out, their belief is that that man's body is dead and his spirit, now we're going to bury him because in three days it's gone. But Jesus spoke. When we look at it, man, what a physical. Uh, listen, the more powerful thing is this spiritual thing that he spoke into a dead man, and it wasn't that the dead man heard him. 
It was that the Spirit in this. And oftentimes we talk to God looking for something physical. When we'll, if we'll let Him speak into our spirit, what will happen? Well, He spoke into this young man's spirit, and what happened? He was dead, and now He's alive. Man, there's some things in our lives that we need that if we'll just speak in spirit that are dead, that'll come alive. If we'll just understand what Jesus is showing us here. Can you imagine the eruption of the crowd on Jesus' side? I think this is what happened. He's been doing that all day long. Show us something more. Give us something bigger. Show it. Man, you've been raising the dead and healing the sick and casting out devil. You've been doing all that. This is, but can you imagine the side of the woman? They were, man, they're, they're everybody. And who was the happiest? Mama. She was excited. Man, sometimes we, man, <clears throat> if we ever get excited enough because Jesus stepped into our life and didn't touch the physical, touched the spiritual, and it manifested itself in the spiritual, man, what would happen? So he set up and talked, man. As miraculous as this was, remember this. The young man now gets up. They unwrap him, and he goes back home to resume his normal life. He's going back to work. He's doing all the chores around the house. He's helping mama. All those things. After this miraculous event. And he would even have to face death one more time. But Jesus, when he faced death, he came back a little different, didn't he? Jesus' new resurrected body was a little different than this guy from Nain. Because he had the body that was resurrected that had power over death, hell, and the grave. His resurrection assures you and me that when our world collides with his world, as a believer, we have that same hope. You understand what the resurrection is. It's your world and my world colliding with Jesus' world. And because he is the world of the resurrection, your world and mine as believers collides with his, and now we can be resurrected. By the way, if you're a believer, you're halfway home. If you're a believer, you're halfway home. I once was dead in trespasses and sin, but now made alive. I'm quickened by his spirit. Uh, my dead spirit is alive. You're halfway home. We're just waiting on the body. See, Jesus works in the spirit, and he gets the physical. The physical takes a little longer, doesn't it? Jesus spoke into the man's spirit, and I don't think it took that man long enough to set up there. I, I think when Jesus spoke, that guy set up. I think he probably thought he was taking a nap. You know how it is when you fall asleep on the couch, and you wake up, and you go, man, how long have I been asleep? Yeah, what? And then there were... The, was the collision of worlds where God meets and collides with human beings. The last collision here of worlds is when God's world collides with humans' world. Verses 16 and 17. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. What did they say? They said, man, God's in this place. God's in this place. Now, I want you to understand something today. God is in this place today. He's in this place today. He's not somewhere sitting on a throne. We got this picture of God, white hair, all this whiteness and all this glowing and the sun behind him and all this sitting on this. And that's that, you know, that's, that's man's idealisms. God sitting on a throne means he has absolute power, not that he has a chair he's sitting in. 
Do a little study. It's, it's the authority and the power that he says. So this news of this collision that had just happened with death and life is now this collision between God and man. And now everybody's talking about it. The contrast, the contrast of the two processions, the two crowds, couldn't be more dramatic. One crowd sorrowful, one crowd joyful. Sorrow and death were going out of Nain. Faith, joy, and hope coming into Nain. Jesus' faith down death and despair with compassion. Jesus undid death's damage. You know, when a person dies, there's a lot of damage that happens to the body. There's no more blood to the heart, the lungs. There's no more kidneys. There's no more, no more function of it. There's a lot of damage that happens to the body when a person dies. He undid all of it. When he just simply said, hey, get up. Fixed it all. And how, how many times do we want God to go through this process? Judy and I were talking before or the second service here. And, you know, oftentimes we've prayed for things and she was telling a story about a particular person that had played, prayed over someone for seven years for something to happen in their life. And then she happened to go to these people. And you know what happened when she went? She understands that it's the Spirit of God in her. But you know what? And it had to be that a devil needed to go away. Jesus never spent seven years casting out a devil, did he? He simply walked up. And so the question was, what, what really, what was the issue here? And maybe the other person that was trying to do the work didn't have the capability of doing the work. You, you, you need to have, yeah, it's that faith and that hope and that, that trust and that love and, and, and the, the spirit that dwells in us that does that work. But, but understand something. Let, let's understand something. Jesus faces down death and he undoes the damage of death and life. Luke says they were filled with awe and praise God. As a result of this collision, the two crowds then became one. Now you have this sorrowful crowd that's now a joyful crowd. So the joyful crowd doubles now because you got the Jesus crowd and the name lady crowd. And now here they are, one big happy crowd. Hope increased. Can you imagine at this point the hope and faith and trust in Jesus they had? Now what's going down? What's happening? Man, it's really beginning to pulsate. crowd that had gathered together to express their sympathy, now rejoicing in celebration. Wow. They came together in sympathy for this woman. They're now celebrating with her. This little obscure town was for every, name was forever changed after that. Little obscure town, little small town, forever changed. And the pieces of that collision are still flying today. You know how that, when you watch that deal and that car is going down there and it collides with that thing that's sitting still and, man, parts fly everywhere? The collision that happened this day in Maine, the parts are still flying today. They're still, in, they're still, all these, they're still happening today because God has come to his people. Let me ask you a question today. Is there some sorrow, some despair, some sadness that you're struggling with? Are there, are there some things in your life that you really are, are having a battle with? Do you feel like, man, I've, I've lost a hold of my life? You know, one thing I'm realizing as you get older, you feel like your life is not slipping away death-wise. It's slipping away capability-wise. Man, there's things I can't do that I did five years ago. There's things I can't do I could do 10 years ago, 20 years ago. 
there's things that I did 30 years ago I won't dare try today. I know what will happen. And it feels like it's slipping away. And a despair can creep into your life if you dwell on that. But if you'll let his world collide with your world, that's the beauty I love. He's, we talked about it at prayer. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. You know what, what you can't do that you used to do? Now you can do things that you couldn't do then. We rarely look at that as we get older. But there's things that we're, when we're older we can do we couldn't do 25 years ago. They didn't reside in us. And, and when, we, when, when God collides with our life, what He wants us to recognize today is if there's a despair about our life, there's a sorrow in our heart. Listen, it's not about your age, and it's not about how long you've been living for God. It's about what He wants to do for you today. His world is colliding with your world today. Stand with me if you would. He brings hope. He brings joy. He brings compassion today. Let's Everybody stop for a second. Let's put Nain in history. Let's not talk about Nain anymore today. Let's talk about us. Jesus and his crowd came in today with joy and happiness. But there could be somebody here today that was coming the other direction in sadness and sorrow. And he wants, he wants your world to collide with his. He intends for that. <clears throat> what kind of timing does God have? They've been walking for 20 miles and left a few days before then, but they were able to meet directly at the gate at the right place at the right time in the right circumstance in name. Well, well, that was circumstance. Yeah, that, well, wow, that was incredible. You know what? That's God's timing. He intended it for a half. They didn't meet at the graveside. They made it the gate. What kind of timing is that? That's God's timing. And the reason you're here today is God's timing. All of us are here today because of God's timing. He intended for you and I to be here at this service today, at this altar time. Why is that? Because He wants to collide with our world right now. He wants to collide with your world right now. He brings you hope and joy and compassion. Listen, not only has God seen your tears not only has the Lord seen your tears about things that may be going on in your life, He weeps with you. He weeps with you. Not only has He felt your struggle and the things that you, that's come against you, He feels that struggle. As a human, He saw the human struggle. He felt the human struggle. He, understand, he understood the human struggle, and He still feels it. He still experiences, and he still understands it today. Because he, because he understood the, the, the passion of our infirmities, he was able to have compassion in our infirmities. He's felt your pain today. He's not just seen it. He's felt it. Where our heart turns, his inside turns. Is there something in your life that you want God to collide with your life today? If there is, this altar is open. God, there's something going on in my life. You know what the scariest thing is about coming to the altar? Is we think everybody's looking at us. We think everybody's looking at us. Can I tell you all a secret? They are. 
It's okay. It's all right. You know why they're looking at? Listen, they've been, y'all been looking at me all this time. Even those that you were asleep woke up and looked at me. Don't be afraid of what other people and how they see it. The sorrowful people in name were looking at that woman until that son came alive. Oh, they didn't stop looking at her. You know what? They kept looking at her. They saw something tremendous happen. And so today in this altar, we see one another. Don't, don't be afraid in an altar for someone to see you have tears. Don't be afraid at an altar for someone to see you cry out to God. A lot of times we come to an altar and we don't cry out because it doesn't seem that extreme. But, but if it was your child laying at their deathbed, I guarantee you, you would be crying out at the altar. All of a sudden it got important. Everything should be that important to us when it comes to God. Everything should be that important to us when it comes to God. Because He cares for every single minute digit of your life. Every single little thing, He cares about it. I can't make my rent. God cares about that. You know, I, I either got to buy food or medicine. God cares about that. I've been looking for this, and, you know, I'm, I'm, God cares about that. Lord, we come at this altar today colliding with your world because we need you. I need you today, Lord. I need you as pastor, as Christian, as Don. I need you. I need that collision because I know you're going to bring life into my death, joy into my sorrow, peace into my, my, my fear. And so today, God, at this altar, in this building, God is your people. We've never claimed to be a perfect people because we know that none of us are perfect. And we all have issues in our life. There's, there's not a person in this building where we don't have issues and we don't have things that come into our life, fears and sorrows and sadnesses. And so, God, today at this altar, collide with us. God, it may sound strange, but I want a violent collision with you today. I want a violent collision with you today because the parts fly everywhere. God is everywhere. God is touching everything in my life. And those places that I can't speak it or don't even know it yet, God, I want to collide with you because I know that you go ahead of me. You, you know the end from the beginning. And so each person that's at this altar today, we're, we're about to pray, God. We're, each one of us is about to speak to you from our hearts in this altar. And so, God, as each one speaks to you, God, collide with, meet with them in their place. And just as you raised up that young man from death, not, not only, God, was he brought from death to life, his mom was brought from death to life. No hope, now all hope. All sorrow, now all joy. Bring us to life today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm just going to invite you right now to speak to the Lord for a little bit at this altar about your situation, whatever it might be. Let, let His world collide into your world. In Jesus' name, thank you. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. 
We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.